Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigSceneDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Now, live and direct from the press box at Old Comiskey Park, it's time for When Football Was Football. Let's join your host, Joe Ziemba, with another forgotten tale from Chicago's pro football history. Let's go! Thank you for that kind introduction, and welcome back to When Football Was Football. I'm your host, Joe Ziemba. You know, Cardinals fans are now familiar with the long, sad story concerning the current championship dry spell for the club that has now stretched into its 76th year. That's right, 76 years this fall without an NFL title. The longest such streak in the National Football League as well as in all professional sports. On this episode of When Football Was Football here on the Sports History Network, We'll travel back to 1948, when the Cardinals franchise achieved its most successful regular season. And what a season it was. Yes, it was only 75 seasons ago when the Cardinals fielded what was, in my opinion, the greatest team in the franchise history. In 1948, the Cards welcomed back pretty much the entire roster from the 1947 title run. The team appeared to have no weaknesses because even with crucial injuries, another capable player stepped up to keep things rolling. Week after week, the Cardinals knocked over opponents with a ridiculously potent offense, and it seemed like nothing could stop a second straight march to the NFL crown. Nothing, it seemed, except Mother Nature. 1948 was not only a special year for the Cardinals, but also, as mentioned, the finest regular season in team history. It was a schedule marred by an unbelievable tragedy, some incredible scoring feats, and an unfriendly blizzard that ultimately derailed the Cardinals' NFL championship hopes. But overall, the team has never been able to duplicate the positive results of this glorious football campaign when the Cardinals finished with a superlative 11-1 record and avenged that only loss with a satisfying conquest of the Chicago Bears on the last day of the regular season with the divisional championship hanging in the balance. So it was a long, challenging, and at times frustrating season for the Cardinals. Since the club was the defending champion of the National Football League, it had the distinct honor of participating in the annual college all-star game which traditionally kicked off the football season every year. Held in monstrous Soldier Field on Chicago's lakefront, the pros would begin training camp early in our order to face off against a team of recently graduated collegians, 
who were voted onto the All-Star roster by a nationwide vote of football fans. The game was started by the Chicago Tribune newspaper in 1934 as a method for raising funding for local charities. It was an immediate sensation from the initial contest in 1934 when the Chicago Bears battled the All-Stars to a scoreless tie before nearly 80,000 spectators. But that first game failed to finally determine if the professionals or the collegians were the better football players, a significant argument that was in play among gridiron fans in the early years of the NFL. Part of the excitement of that initial contest was the opportunity to finally witness whether one side or the other was superior. Well, over the years, the pros began to dominate the All-Stars until the last game in the series was finally staged in 1976. Yet in 1948, there was still some lingering debate as to which side was better. After all, the All-Stars had spanked the Rams in 1946 and then the Chicago Bears in 1947 by identical 16-0 scores. So would the eager collegians be able to upend the pros again in 1948, this time facing off with the mighty Chicago Cardinals across the line? As it was, The 1948 season began way early for the Cardinals with the All-Star Game commencing on August 20, 1948. A huge crowd of 101,220 turned out for the battle, which was the largest crowd to ever see the Cards in action. Coach Jimmy Councilman of the Cardinals and his professional cohorts left no doubt which version of football was stronger as the Cards blasted the All-Stars 28 to nothing. Aside from the massive crowd attending the game in person, another 500,000 watched the game on the local WGN-TV, a rather new venture in the sporting world. Armed with talent, experience, and determination, the Cardinals then romped through three more easy wins in the preseason before entertaining the Philadelphia Eagles in the regular season opener on September 24, 1948. Much like the 1947 NFL championship tilt in which the Cardinals scored early and then outlasted the Eagles 28-21, the host jumped out to a 14-0 advantage only to see Philadelphia match that score in the third period. But the Cardinals secured their first win of the regular season late in the game in what was described as a trick play by the Philadelphia Inquirer which said, Charlie Trippy raced wide on one of his usual sweeps drew in the defenders, then stopped in his tracks and fired a cross-country heave. Mel Kuttner, as lonesome as a hermit, grabbed it with a 30-yard start on defender Pat McHugh and raced for the big touchdown. Well, that unusual pass allowed the Cardinals to finally prevail 21-14. But sadly, the victory celebration was brief. Following the game, Cardinals tackle Stan Malden collapsed and passed away in the locker room. Teammate Vince Monona said, Stan came out of the showers and was drying himself, walking around and telling the fellows they played a great game. Then he sat down and collapsed. Fullback Pat Harder, who would become the league's MVP in 1948, said in quiet admiration, Stan was the best tackle in the National League. The sudden loss of a beloved and well-respected teammate was a shocking and unforgiving blow to the defending NFL champs. 
Could any team possibly recover from such a horrible and unexpected occurrence? Cardinals would find out just a few days later when they welcomed the arch-rival Chicago Bears to Comiskey Park for an unusual Monday night squabble on October 4, 1948. A record throng of over 52,000 showed up for the battle, which was dominated by the Bears 28-17. The Cardinals, understandably, came out flat and quickly fell behind 14-0 before surging ahead 17-14. However, a 95-yard kickoff returned by the Bears' Frank Manini erased that brief lead and the Bears rolled to a rather easy victory. Now saddled with just a 1-1 record to start the campaign and still beset by the unexpected loss of Stan Malden, the Cardinals were at an early season crossroads. Could they possibly rebound from both tragedy and the decisive loss to the Bears to help salvage the season and return to the NFL championship game? Apparently, the Cardinals had no intentions of enshrining the 1948 season as a pity party. Instead, the club then marched off 10 straight victories to complete the season, a winning streak that has yet to be duplicated in Cardinals history. Following the 17-7 win over Green Bay on October 10, 1948, the Cards wrapped up the schedule with nine more wins where the team scored at least 24 points in each contest. Beginning that stretch was a four-game peak where the offense accumulated 195 points, starting off with an NFL record point explosion and a 63-29 romp over the New York Giants on October 17th. The combined point total of 98 established a new league record, while the Cards' final tally of 63 points cracked the team record of 60, set against Rochester back in 1923. Pat Harder kicked all nine extra points to establish a new NFL mark for extra point conversions. And it was all made possible by reserve quarterback Ray Maloff, who tossed four TD passes in relief of the injured Paul Chrisman. The New York Daily News broadly painted a picture of the scoring splurge by reporting that long-expected day of all offense and no defense, the moleskin millennium about which gridiron critics have been warning, arrived with an earth-shaking crash as the Cardinals and Giants sprayed the turf with 14 touchdowns, splashed the scoreboard with 98 points, and wrote all sorts of screwy scoring records. A week later, the scoring rampage continued in a 49-27 romp over the Boston Yanks. In this remarkable offensive outing, the Cardinals erupted for 35 points in the third quarter alone, causing the Boston Globe to marvel that the Comiskey Park crowd sat electrified by the amazing outbreak. More records fell during the game as the 35 points by the winners in the third stanza established a new NFL mark for points in one quarter, while the two-game total of 112 points by the Cardinals set a new team scoring mark for a pair of games. Yet the best part of the Boston victory came when the Cardinals learned that the undefeated Bears finally lost a game as the Eagles prevailed 13-7 over the Bears. With the defeat by their Chicago rivals, the Cardinals swept into a first-place tie with their neighbors, both with 4-1 records. That deadlock for Western Division superiority would last until the very last day of the regular season. 
On October 24th, the Cardinals toppled the Rams 27-22, then blasted the Lions 56-20 on November 7th. The Cardinals fell behind 7-0 with just a minute gone in the game and then unleashed an unforgiving scoring barrage led by three scoring tosses from Paul Chrisman. The Detroit Free Press said, A hopelessly outclassed Detroit Lions team humbled the Cardinals for one minute and then paid the penalty by absorbing a 56-20 defeat. Both the Bears and the Cardinals moved to 7-1 after collecting wins on November 14th. The Cards utilized five turnovers to upend the Steelers 24-7, while fullback kicker Pat Harder booted three more extra points to extend his streak to 63 without a miss over two seasons. With additional wins over the Rams 27-24, the Lions 28-14 and the Packers 42-7. The Cards remain tied for the division lead with the Bears, both with 10-1 records. The winner between the two rivals on December 12th would determine the Western Division champion as well as the Cardinals or Conference representative in the NFL title game. The ultimate battle of the season did not disappoint, as the Journal Times described the emotions as... One of those nerve-chilling football games where men swallow their cigars and women chew up their handkerchiefs. Before a record crowd of 51,283 at Wrigley Field, the Bears jumped out to a 14-3 halftime lead, and the Cardinals once again looked flat and perhaps even timid during the initial two quarters. It was then that head coach and master motivator Jimmy Councilman took over and delivered a halftime discourse that seemed to put the sparkle back on the Cardinals' lackluster offense. Councilman later said, I had to get the boys unwound. An odd situation, I must admit. But in that first half, they were too steamed up. I told them to relax, and if they settled down the second half, the Bears might make some mistakes. And that's what happened. After the two teams exchanged touchdowns, the Bears still held on to a 21-10 lead early in the fourth period. Just one quarter left to determine the Western Division champion, and the Bears were clearly in the driver's seat as the minutes slipped away. Cardinals quarterback Paul Chrisman was injured with a dislocated thumb early in the contest, and once again, Ray Meloff was brought in to steer the Cardinals' offense. Coach Councilman continued to insert capable players when needed because of injuries. But could Meloff bring the cards back in the waning minutes of the season? Could the defending champs even make it back to the NFL title game? Down by 11 and starting at his own 15, Meloff directed a revived cards offense through a series of effective runs and some nifty passes. His 15-yard toss to Mel Kuttner provided the Cardinals with a first down on their own 45. Followed shortly thereafter by a 22-yard completion to end Billy Duell. With the ball now in the Bears' 25, Meloff threw once again to Duell. But an interference call on the Bears' Johnny Lujak set the cards up on the 10. A four-yard scoring run by Charlie Trippi and the ensuing kick by Pat Harder narrowed the Bears' advantage to 21-17. So while there was still plenty of time, could the Cardinals prevent the Bears from not only responding with another score while also keeping them from chewing up precious minutes on the clock. With the Cardinals' defense holding the Bears on the first two downs following the kickoff, 
Bears quarterback Lujak attempted a cross-field toss on third down that was intercepted by the Cardinals' Vince Bononis and brought back 22 yards to the Bears' 19-yard line. After a pass from Maloff to Trippi moved the cards to the 12, Elmer Angsman picked up the remaining yardage for the winning score. With Harder's kick, his 53rd consecutive extra point in 1948, the cards moved ahead for the 24-21 victory and the Western Division Championship. As the Associated Press reported, the game was as near perfection as possible in football. Vicious line play, crisp blocking, and heady signal calling. It was so close that the huge audience seldom was off its feet. Apparently, that motivational tactic used at halftime by Coach Councilman was successful. The big win qualified the Cardinals for a December 19th date with the Eastern Division champion Eagles in Philadelphia. Although the Cardinals, 11-1 now, had defeated the Eagles 9-2-1, in both the preseason and the regular season, the Eagles were also anxious to avenge the 28-21 defeat the team suffered at the hands of the Cardinals in the 1947 title game. But would Philadelphia be able to stop the NFL's top offense that averaged an impressive 32.9 points per game? The Cards also topped the league in total yards and rushing yards during the 1948 season. But then the unpredictable and the impossible occurred. During the night before the title tilt, it began to snow heavily in Philadelphia, resulting in several inches of snow covering the field before the kickoff. In my book, Bears vs. Cardinals, the NFL's oldest rivalry, I took the liberty of describing the pregame scenario. Neither team was certain that the game would be played, or even if it should have been played. But one of the more splendid sights, and one that will never be duplicated, was that both teams helped clear the field of snow before the NFL title game. With players helping to both shovel off the field and assisting with the removal of the tarp, the game was underway as the heavy snow continued to fall. Not surprisingly, the two best offenses in the National Football League could not generate any consistent momentum during the battle. It wasn't until the fourth quarter when the only score of the game occurred. The Eagles recovered a Cardinals fumble on the visitors' 17-yard line, and moments later, Steve Van Buren broke through the Cards' defense from the five-yard line to provide Philadelphia with the only points it would need and the 7-0 victory. Coach Councilman was both generous and honest in his post-game comments, saying, We knew a break would win the game. The Eagles got it and capitalized. They outplayed us, and the better team on the field won. Should the game have been played? That debate has raged for decades, especially from Cardinals fans who watched as their team, which had averaged 33 points per game during the regular season, was somehow held scoreless. Yet, both teams faced the same circumstances and the same challenges in that 1948 title game. The Eagles would continue to dominate the NFL, winning another title in 1949. The Cardinals, however, have not managed an NFL championship since 1947, with the closest effort being a loss to the Steelers in Super Bowl 53 on February 1, 2009. Despite failing to win the league title in 1948, the Cardinals team will be remembered as having achieved the best regular season record in the long history of the NFL's oldest team 
winning the Western Division, grabbing 10 victories in a row, and winning 15 games overall. They just couldn't win the big one. And it was the club's best chance to succeed in those final years in Chicago before the organization moved in 1960. Thank you for listening to When Football Was Football here on the Sports History Network. And please join us next time as we interview, so to speak, quarterback Joey Sternman of the Chicago Bears, who at 5'6 and 135 pounds was perhaps the toughest man, pound for pound, to ever play in the National Football League. Thank you. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.